0: What is happening to America's middle class? Political leaders from across the spectrum use a lot of different words to try to answer that question.
1: America's middle class is getting hollowed out. Wiped out totally,
2: totally our middle class. The great middle class of this country once the envy of the world is disappearing.
0: The middle class is declining.
2: That upper middle class doesn't exist anymore in America.
0: Okay, so what's really happening to the middle class? What do the numbers say? Coming up, we will answer that question. From GeekWire and USA Facts, it's Numbers Geek with Steve Ballmer. I'm GeekWire editor Todd Bishop. Numbers Geek is presented by USA Facts. Explore the numbers behind key issues facing the country at USAFacts.org, where you can sign up for email alerts to be notified about the upcoming release of the USA Facts 2019 annual report on the U.S. government. That's U-S-A-F-A-C-T-S dot To understand what's happening to America's middle class, the first thing you need to do is define the middle class. That was the challenge for former Microsoft CEO Steve Ballmer and his team at USA Facts, That's the not-for-profit, nonpartisan civic data initiative that's GeekWire's partner on the Numbers Geek podcast.
2: It's funny. People talk about the middle class, and there's no formal definition. And when people say the hollowing out of the middle class, I don't really know what they mean. So they looked at
0: households in the United States, and specifically at household income. And then they divided those households up into what statisticians call quintiles— Think of it like a five-layer cake with each layer containing a different 20% of American households stacked in order of household income. And the middle layer, the middle 20%, that is what they studied.
2: So rather than try to deal with a loosely defined thing from a numeric standpoint, we just said, hey, what does life look like for the people who, whose income is literally in that middle 20%? That is our middle class.
0: So here's what they saw when they did that. In 2000, when adjusted for inflation, the range of household incomes in that middle 20% started at $38,000 a year. By 2017, 17 years later, that had slipped from $38,000 a year to $33,000 a year. Now, at the high end of the range, household income for that middle 20% fell from about $68,000 a year in 2000 to $66,000 a year in 2017. So the entire range of incomes in that middle 20% slipped, which of course is never a good thing, whether you're talking about a cake or an economic quintile.
2: That to me says the middle class is being hollowed out because the less affluent are getting less affluent. The poor are getting poorer and the rich are getting richer. And my way of seeing that is to see how much more spread there is now in that middle 20% of earners, the spread in their incomes. We studied it in a lot of different ways. Uh, We looked at people who are single without kids because their economics are a little different than people who are single with kids, a little different than people who are married with children, without children, seniors. And when you look at it, uh, wage income, across all the all those groups except for seniors we just have a higher percentage of seniors working they are all down as one example in that
0: middle 20% households with a married couple and kids under 18 saw their market income things like wages and retirement and dividends decline from more than 54,000 to less than 51,000 that was between 2000 and 2017 when adjusted for inflation but here's what's really interesting when you take into account what they call government transfers, things like tax credits and Medicaid, the income of those families is actually up from 64000 to more than $78,000 over that same time period. And that overall trend is also true for the middle
2: 20% as a whole. If you look at the total amount of money that people have, if you will, to take care of themselves, it's up. But a big part of that is transfers from government, uh, whether that is Medicaid, whether that is the earned income tax credit. Those things are essentially holding the buying power of the middle class to be flatter up inflation-adjusted, uh, but market income is coming down, uh, which if you, if you look at it, presents a deficit problem. Right. I was We're just not talking say. about the poorest people in this country. We're talking about the middle 20%. And yet that is what the middle 20% looks like in the country. And governments having to put in significant subsidy, not just for our poorest people, but for our middle class people. So you can
0: see, you can start to see how all of this is connected. If wages are down and then there are more government transfers, increasing buying power, that can help the GDP, it can help the economy overall, and yet it can also contribute to that annual deficit, which adds to the debt, and then you get the trade deficit that comes into play here because people are buying cheaper overseas goods. It's Fascinating. And that has been one of my key takeaways doing this project. I mean, you tend to think of healthcare as one thing and immigration as another and the economy as another, but it is all connected and you start to see it when you look at those
2: numbers. Right. You do. And then the question is, how are we going to pay for these things that we're doing? Are we going to borrow, I'll say, from our children who will have to pay this in their taxes, or uh, are we going to increase taxation? Or are we going to tell people, hey, look, it's just kind of the – it's the jobs that are being generated today just aren't generating the kind of income that people, people might want to have. Now, one other thing I will say, this is an, an environment where the taxes that the middle income people pay are actually by and large down. So if you do all of this math net of taxes, things won't look quite as bad in terms of lifestyle for people in the in middle income brackets, it'll look even better. On the other hand, it means the deficit's going to be bigger because tax revenue is down, inflation adjusted from the middle 20%.
0: Another big trend that's singled out is the fact that family structure is changing. More people are living alone. More married couples are not having kids. How is that impacting the economy and the, the, the whole framework that we're talking about here?
2: Well, when you look when you look at things, the fastest growing, uh, fastest two growing uh, parts of the population are people over sixty five who earn less income and depend more on Social Security and Medicare, and single people actually without children. Single people without children actually account for forty three percent of all of the households in America. Forty three percent. That was so non intuitive to me. I think about families with kids. I think about single moms. I think about s- seniors, and you know, yeah, I think they are people right out of college. You know, they, they, you know, they do live. They live in these households, but not forty-three percent. That surprised me. That would include, of course, not just younger people right out of school, but also older people. In fact, the average age of people—these forty-three percent of people who live single—is. Almost 40 years old. And it's important to point out here we are talking about the slice of the population
0: that is in the middle 20% of median household correct. income. The correct. stats you just gave are not for the population no, as a whole. Correct. This
2: is just, you're right, correct, just for the middle 20%. But we have a lot of people living alone under 65 years old. And, uh, you know, it's interesting.
0: But there is another interesting way to look at the middle class. And we'll dive into that number coming up. welcome back to numbers geek this week we are asking and answering the question what happened to america's middle class and another key number to know is median u.s household income that number was sixty-one thousand three hundred seventy-two in 2017 which was a 1.8 percent increase from the 2016 median household income when adjusted for inflation
2: the median household income is a reflection of what a household buying power is. Can you afford a home or can you afford rent? Can you afford food? What can your cell phone be? How much do you have for education? Uh, Those all reflect. As we discovered though,
0: not many people can come even close to guessing this number.
1: Medium income, I would say is 70,000. My guess it would be around 30,000. I think that's pretty low for what it takes to live no idea. I feel, I don't know. For some reason, I think something higher. I'm going to say $40,000 a year. $58,000. I was going to say fifty.
2: What did you think of those answers? I was surprised how low people guessed the number was. Given the dialogue in the press, I might have guessed that people would pick a higher number. So it, it, it did surprise me Uh, in many ways. Particularly if you think on just how hard it is to live, say, on $30,000 a year, that's very difficult to do uh, in the United States. Part of it is people may not think about uh, the value they get out of various insurance and other benefits that they receive, either from the government or not, that help them live. But I was nonetheless surprised. And news coverage of this
0: topic often raises as many questions as it answers. So here is the story from The New York Times with the new number. U.S. household income rises to pre-recession levels, prompting cheers and questions. More adjectives and adverbs in this story. The income of the median American household has finally rebounded from the damage caused by the 2008 financial crisis, a significant milestone in the nation's painfully slow economic recovery. Median household income rose to 61372 in 2017. And that is up from the prior year. What do you take away from that increase?
2: Well, first thing I'd ask is, is it inflation adjusted? Have the numbers for 2016 been adjusted for inflation? If they're adjusted for inflation, then we might have a 1.8% increase in Really, what the median buys. And if they're not adjusted for inflation, uh, you know, you can ask what was the inflation number, and it's possible you can buy less this year than last. But it just says median income. I don't know whether to assume it's inflation adjusted or not. Uh, I hope it is. And I actually know that it is because I know the Census Bureau numbers. On the other hand, the New York Times probably should have called that out. So, Otherwise, they're not being clear about what the numbers are.
0: So here we actually have the U.S. Census Bureau numbers, and they, they show that the median income
2: rose— the Increased in, in inflation-adjusted, so-called real terms, from 60309 to 61372 which really does mean that even adjusting for inflation, people will have about $1,000, the median person— assuming there is one, median household, will have about $1,000 more to spend in 2017 than they did in 2016. One of the things we need to also at least think about is the fact that people are buying different things. People weren't buying cell phones in 1980. Uh, They had to buy a camera and a TV and a bunch of things. And now if you want to, you can buy a cell phone and a subscription and you get so much more capability at a lower price. Many fewer people had health insurance in 1980. And so the amount of money you paid out of your income for health care was actually higher in 1980 uh, than it is today. And both of those factors uh, are very important in terms of thinking about buying power. The way people live is changing. More people are living today as singles uh, without kids than 16, 17 years ago. That's interesting. It will be a drag in median household income because we have more households that have fewer earners uh, than, than we did back in the year 2000.
0: Another big wrinkle in this conversation is race. While predominantly white households have seen their median income rise to more than $68,000 a year as of 2017, the U.S. Census Bureau reports median income of a little more than $40,000 for predominantly black
2: households. People can be disadvantaged for a lot of reasons, but race and ethnicity are, you know, one factor uh, because you do see absolutely that there's a higher poverty rate, lower median income for blacks and Hispanics than there would be for whites or, or Asian, but you can certainly have uh, issues of economic mobility, kids being able to have a shot better than their parents to move up economically. You can see that in black kids, Hispanic kids, white kids, and Asian kids, in fact. The chart is alarming to me when I see that median household income for, uh, for African Americans is $40,258. And has been relatively flat since the year 2000, uh, and the median income uh, for uh, for whites is 68,145, and that number is up some since the year 2000. I look at that and say, "Wow, that doesn't that doesn't seem right." African Americans have not benefited uh, in the same way. Uh, as as whites have. Longtime
0: Numbers Geek listeners may recall that this is the same chart we talked about with Arlen Hamilton of Backstage Capital, the formerly homeless venture capitalist who's on a mission to fund companies led by minorities and women of color.
1: I think that you're talking about institutional, systematic things that um, were kind of set up, to, in some ways, um, black and brown folks are set up to lose. We were... I mean, we can get real, we can get, we can get raw right now. Like we were, we were brought here. Black people were brought here as slaves to, to be animals, to go from A to B, A A to Z, whatever. When that didn't work out for people, they found other ways like prisons and, and, um, other ways to keep us enslaved. And, while we have evolved so much over the past few decades, and we have, the way that I grew up is very different than the way my mom grew up, and the way that she grew up was very different than the way her mom grew up. While that is true, we, we were just not supposed to win. So that is why you have, you have to, in this country, be Oprah Winfrey to be considered a success. You have to be one of the richest people in the country you have to go against all odds. I personally have to have had the story of being homeless to venture capitalists, investing in 100 people, to even have a chance to be on the radar of the American conscience as someone to be taken seriously in business.
0: The upcoming 2019 USA Facts annual report on the U.S. government has more stats on the differences in earnings by family structure, race, and gender. I know you talk with policymakers, legislators. Do you feel they have a grasp on the changing demographics, the changing income structure of American households at this level?
2: Do I think most policymakers uh, see the nuance and look at these things comprehensively? I would say no. I'm afraid most policymakers report what they, you know, read on the internet or saw in a newspaper, which would generally tend to be one number without context.
0: What does it say about the American dream? Whether the median household income is rising, whether the buying power is increasing, how does this factor into the ability to achieve the American dream?
2: The American dream is probably two things. Number one is, am I better off than my parents? Well, part of that is, is the economy better off than it was when my parents were my age? And that's an aspect. The other part of the American dream is, can I really dream to be anything I want to be, no matter where I'm born? And those are little different dreams. Uh, and uh, median household income talks more to the first one. How's my life compared to my parents at this age? At least from an income perspective, people's lifestyles have been relatively stagnant.
0: Here's how venture capitalist Nick Hanauer put this at a GeekWire event last year.
2: Over the last 40 years, an incremental 2 to $3 trillion per year is flowing to the top 1% of earners that used to flow to ordinary Americans. If the median family had part fully participated in productivity growth over the last 30 or 40 years, they would earn over $100,000 a year. What that means is fe- effectively is that the country owes the median family a raise of between twenty-five dollars and $40,000 a year.
0: Nick Hanauer was an early investor in Amazon who's now an activist on issues including income inequality, and he has his own podcast called Pitchfork Economics. What are the key facts that you would want people to focus on that would help everyone understand what's happening to jobs, wages, and ultimately to American families?
2: I'd say a few things. A higher percentage of people are working today than in the past. The way they are living together has changed. So you have fewer two-income families today than you did. So the way households have income to spend is different. The jobs that people have today are different than the jobs people have 16- Or 17 years ago, and many of the jobs that have been growing most quickly pay less actually, although some jobs like finance and tech and some of the high end of the uh, medical and uh, medical technician field is growing and they pay pretty well. So, what jobs exist change, how people live who make money change, the percentage of people who are working has changed where people spend their money, how much money they make in their jobs has changed, how much money households have to buy things have changed, and the mix of things that they do buy has changed. And in a sense, you want to look at that. If you really want to know how Americans are doing, you want to factor in a number of those things. And probably the best way to Put it all together and say, how does the average family with kids live? How does the average person who is elderly live? So when people say the middle class is hollowed out, uh, you can look at it just by the numbers at a gross level. You can take a look at what it means if you are uh, single without kids, et cetera, et cetera, as we've been been talking about. There are various ways that are important to take a grab if you're really going to ask the question, What is the buying power? How is that changing uh, for not just America somehow as a whole, but America as America chooses to live? Because the way people choose to live together is very different today than it was in 1980. Is there a way to boil
0: it down and say, are we better or worse off than we were in the past?
2: Uh, That would be a judgment (laughs) of whether we're better or worse off. Uh, And I think it's important for us at USA Facts not to make judgments. But we pull this information together in a way that people can draw their own conclusions. I'd look at our annual report, uh, USAFacts.org, or really look at the source uh, information that we've been talking about today. So now,
0: as we approach the 2020 presidential campaign, hopefully you have a better sense for the numbers to think about when politicians talk about what's happening to the middle class. And of course, you can check out interactive graphics, charts, and more about the data we talk about on the show at USAFacts.org. Thank you for listening to Numbers Geek. Be sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app. For more Numbers Geek episodes and videos, go to geekwire.com slash numbersgeek. Numbers Geek is produced by GeekWire in partnership with Steve Ballmer and USA Facts. Graphic design by Killer Infographics. Theme music by Daniel L.K. Caldwell. Photos, videos, and technical support from Kevin Lasota. Claire McGrain contributed research, reporting, and production assistance on this episode. From GeekWire, I'm Todd Bishop. See you next time on Numbers Geek.